Hi, this is Mary Kay's Positivity Podcast. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher and life coach. I'm also author of several self-help books. Mary Kay's Positivity Podcast is about strategies to think positively every day. We will cover relationships, positive energy, the power of attraction, and how to mindfully experience each day so that you can become your best self. Today, my guest is Julie Nicoletti, and she is a nationally recognized sports nutritionist and team nutritionist for the Boston Bruins. She founded Kinetic Fuel, a performance-based nutrition company, which is focused on athletic performance, all levels from high school to collegiate to professional athletes. She's all about wellness and nutrition and really helped my own collegiate athletes for very different reasons. So thank you, Julie, for coming on today. Thanks for having me, Mary Kay. So today I wanted to talk about something that is a big source for young women with anxiety and athletics. And It is that transition from playing high school sports to going to college because some are recruited and some decide not to play or some get injured and Mm -hmm. don't play. So I wanted to talk Mm -hmm. about how you help these athletes make that transition and nutritionally how they can be their best self. Sure. So in my experience, I've found that almost all of my high school athletes have aspirations to play in college. And I say almost all because there are certainly those who come to me as a freshman or sophomore in high school who just want to play their best, feel their best during their high school career and have no intentions of playing in college. But many of them, if they're serious enough about their sport, their nutrition, their training, they've found my services, they're also thinking into the future of playing in college. And my experience also tells me that only about 50% of them, and that's just a rough number based on my my practice, are really happy when they get to college sports. And that could be for a whole host of different reasons. It could be that the coach, for example, that recruited them has moved on and now there's a different coach. It could be that they were promised something that they're not actually given or haven't earned. It could be the dynamics of the players on the team. There's a whole host of reasons. It could just be for academic reasons that they decide not to play into their, say, junior or senior years when they're academics become a little more demanding or that they want to travel abroad and can only do a program abroad that they're interested in at the same season that their sport is played. So there's a whole host of reasons, but there are plenty of young high school athletes who decide just to be recreational athletes in college. And that's a difficult transition, I think, emotionally and physically. So from an emotional standpoint, there's a lot of pressure to try to find friends in a team. There are sort of that immediate group of people that you spend a lot of time with. And so without that on a college campus, you now have to figure out which group you fit into. And from a physical standpoint, you've gone from a place where your practices were all scheduled to having to manage your own time and develop your own exercise routines. And that's challenging. No, it is. I remember when I was coaching lacrosse, 
one of the students decided to go play college lacrosse, but was riddled with so many injuries from high school. And she kept pushing herself and pushing herself in college, but she was always in constant pain. And so yeah, it was that was the decision to drop it at that point. Right. That's another reason is injuries. And so that can also lead to anxiety Mm -hmm. because if you're injured at a time when you should be playing showcases or tournaments where college coaches would be, now you're stressed and anxious, which it actually inhibits the body's healing process (laughs) and increases your levels of cortisol, which can increase fat storage, which we know is not what's ideal for optimal performance. Right. And also adds another layer of anxiety because they're eating everything correctly and working out and yet still gain weight. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or that can also lead to some destructive behaviors where you start restricting calories and, and completing these punishing workouts because you feel like your body's not responding to what you're doing. Or I've had some athletes who kind of throw their hands up and just give into whatever they're craving as a little bit of a pity party. It's a very personal response. Everybody's journey, of course, as you know, is different. And there are lots of contributing factors as to how they manage that time in their lives. But I often will try to frame it as they really don't have control over the fact that they were injured, but there can be some mindfulness around what they're eating and that can contribute to their healing and that can get them on the field faster. So rather than the athlete that throws their hands up and says, well, I'm just going to eat whatever I want anyway, I'm not playing or I'm not competing, a, a more positive thought process would be, I'm going to eat all of the right things to give my body the nutrients it needs in order to heal as quickly as possible so that I can recover and get back to play. So what would be an ideal day of nutrition for an athlete that's that's trying to heal? So that's really interesting. Rather than trying to lay out an ideal or perfect day, because oftentimes that is a challenge. (laughs) You may wake up and we hear it so many times where you start the morning off great and then something throws you off or whatever, but there are some foods that are essential for healing. So maybe we could focus on that. So for example, vitamin E is essential for tissue healing and vitamin E can be found in high concentration of, of walnuts. But if you ask high school athletes often, what are you having for a snack? They're more than likely they're going to tell you that they're eating almonds. <laughs> so <laughs> a very easy switch would be to either combine the almonds with some walnuts or switch almonds to walnuts. So that's one easy thing. I um, didn't even know that. <laughs> right? See, you're learning something. Too. <laughs> In terms of soft tissue, so things like tendons, ligament, cartilage, ACL, Uh, MCL, high ankle sprains, labrums, that kind of thing. One of the focuses is on collagen. And it's so interesting. Collagen is a kind of protein. It's released from the marrow of a bone. And so if we were eating chicken soup the same way that our grandparents used to make it, where they would roast a chicken, for example, and then put the carcass into the pot and let it boil all day, And when they made their chicken soup and put it into the refrigerator, it would turn into like jello. That gelatin and collagen is essential for our connective tissue. And yet about 25 years ago, 30 years ago, everything went boneless, skinless. 
and our and instead of making our own chicken stock or broth we used the you know cans or boxes off of the grocery store shelves and that's really just chicken flavored water and so we're lacking that really important nutrient and that's when we started to see the rate of ACL tears go oh. up so dramatically oh see i so, always thought that was because they were <clears throat> playing multiple sports Mm-hmm. That's um, a factor for sure. Yeah. It's not just all nutritionally based, but there is a direct correlation between the lack of collagen in our diets mm-hmm. and this rate of increase. It makes so much sense, right? Yeah. And so that's yeah. why we're seeing bone broth sold now. Right. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So you can get collagen from going back to the old fashioned way of making chicken soup or even beef stock. You can eat meat on a bone. Chicken thighs or chicken drumsticks are coming back or roast an entire chicken or eat a pork chop on a bone or Mm -hmm. or something like that. Or you can drink bone broth. Actually, some of the Bruins drink it like a tea because it also contains some amino acids that help with sleep. So they might drink it as a tea before bed. And then the other option would be to supplement with collagen, which is easy because it's it's tasteless and it mixes easily, doesn't change the consistency of things. Mm-hmm. So it can be mixed into water or a smoothie or you know, if, if you're a coffee drinker, it can even be mixed into coffee or tea. So those are some options to increase collagen. And that's really important for connective tissue. And then, of course, for bone growth, if you've got a stress fracture or have broken something, we're looking for vitamin D and calcium, some boron. So there are specifics there. Vitamin C is found in strawberries, for example. It's found in in spinach and kiwi and citrus fruits. And that vitamin C is also a potent antioxidant that reduces inflammation in your body. So that's also good. And then calcium, which is most important, calcium and vitamin D, of course, go hand in hand. And calcium is found in not only things like yogurt, but also in dark green leafy vegetables. Things like baby spinach contains calcium. So I was just curious about this because sometimes I see athletes cramping up on the field and Mm -hmm. or have foot cramps. Is there some nutritional deficiency when they're having cramping? What does that mean? Yeah, oftentimes that's either potassium or magnesium. The banana? (laughs) (laughs) Yep, the old-fashioned bananas work (laughs) oftentimes, yep. It also could be an imbalance of electrolytes, so potassium and magnesium are part of the electrolyte family that's uh, lost when athletes sweat. So if they're sweating for 60 minutes or more and then have practice the next day or are starting their season and have double practices, double sessions, it's really important to replenish electrolytes. And I typically would recommend something like a noon tablet, N-U-U-N, because that's just an electrolyte replacement versus something that's got artificial colors and sweeteners like Gatorade. Oh, yes. So you're anti-Gatorade. Um. In many cases, yes. Yes. No, I am too. So with athletes, when they're making that transition to college and they they no longer have that exercise plan and they're in a situation where the drinking starts and and you're eating at the cafeteria, what are things that they should really try to uh, avoid that can really Uh. do more damage? Yes. Then good. So 
College, I think, is the perfect storm for weight gain. The freshman 15 is real because there are so many contributing factors. So you mentioned a couple of them already, alcohol and dining hall food. There's also increased stress and decreased sleep and increased late night eating. Right. <laughs> so it's like a perfect storm of this period in their lives where it's really challenging. So that... sugar is the primary, and that would be the main food that I would recommend them trying to reduce or eliminate added sugar. So especially, and within that family, the added sugar obviously would come from candy and baked goods, dessert at the dining hall, the frozen yogurt machines, juice that's available all the time, putting sugar in their coffees or ordering designer coffees at Starbucks that are full of sugar. Those would be the easiest things to try to eliminate. And then beyond that, it would be the processed starches, so things that are actually very inexpensive and abundant in dining halls, things like pasta and bread and bagels, those things I would um, certainly encourage eliminating or making that just really a once in a while kind of thing. Right. I remember getting off the plane freshman year, coming home for break, and my dad mm -hmm. picked me up and said, so what'd you do? Swallow the keg? <laughs> oh. <laughs> It was bad. <laughs> and I I had played lacrosse and I was a gymnast in high school and you get to college and you have to fill yeah. that time. So I guess I didn't, yeah. I failed at that. <laughs> oh, well, at least you have real world experience to be able to relate to your kids. Oh, yes, I can relate. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to also ask you, we all know a poor diet is linked to increased risk of developing anxiety disorders. Yes. But how does nutrition affect anxiety? So we're learning more and more about the gut microbiome and its connection to our brain. And we know that, for example, 70% of our immunity is starts in our gut. And so every time we open our mouth and put a fork full of food in, it's information for our body. It's information for our mental health, our physical well-being, not only things like performance, but really overall health, wellness, and happiness. So I think there are foods that directly can increase levels of anxiety, things like sugar, but there are also a tremendous amount of anxiety, not from a diagnosable standpoint, but more from an emotional um, feeling standpoint. There's so much anxiety about what people should or feel like they should eat that they actually don't enjoy what they do eat. And so having a plan or having the education and counseling around nutrition takes some of that anxiety away so that they feel confident in what they are eating and there's less anxiety about what they should be eating. Okay. The other piece in college that I find is that there's a lot of self-experimentation and a lot of, because people are living in close quarters, if one person or one teammate even is doing something, it oftentimes spills over into friends or other teammates. So if you might be trying keto or paleo or veg being a vegetarian, it's likely that your friends are also going to try that. So that's a good thing. It could be, but it may not be. It may be right for them and not right for you. Mm -hmm. And so they may have good results and you may feel awful. And then there's a level of anxiety around that as mm -hmm. well. <laughs> when my daughter was an athlete and gaining unexplained weight, 
when she was eating well and exercising well, she had met with someone that suggested a keto diet, and that wasn't the answer. And it, it really came down to lack of sleep when she started to, because right. she was always healthy. She was very social and loved staying up late, and you're scrolling through your phone or whatever you're doing. But when she really yeah. committed to getting sleep, that's when she saw the weight leaving. Yes. Sleep is vitally important and under undervalued. Undervalued, yeah. yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I didn't realize it because I thought, oh, she can handle a lot. She can go to bed at one or two and she's got mm-hmm. high energy. She can handle all this. And right. Nobody right. can but handle that. No, it takes a toll, we know, from it on your adrenal glands and your cortisol and your hormones are all interrelated. And the other factor we could have a whole nother podcast on hormones and things like that. But the other factor is that many collegiate or high school women are on birth control pills, which further complicates the situation. Very much so. Yes. I've known multiple people that it destroyed either their gut health or caused different reactions like PCOS because of the pill. And so mm-hmm. you're right. Yeah. There's a lot there. Mm-hmm. Well, I really appreciate your time today, and I was hoping you could share how our listeners could reach you if they had other questions. Sure. Thank you so much for having me, Mary Kay. I know we could go on for hours, but (laughs) I (laughs) I appreciate the fact that I felt like we covered a lot of ground in a short period of time. My website is kineticfuel.net. So that's K-I-N-E-T-I-C-F-U-E-L, kineticfuel.net. My phone number is 617-921-4237. And my email is juliatkineticfuel.net. I have an office in Westwood, Massachusetts. So if people are local or even not local, I work with clients all over the country. So we'll just do things via FaceTime if we're not able to meet in person, but happy to entertain questions or, or work with clients to provide to provide nutrition education and counseling for that's specific to their goals. Yes. Thanks so much. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Mary Kay. Be well. Slowly find a comfortable seat, or you can lay flat on your back for a short meditation. Relax the muscles in your face, your eyes soften, cheeks, space between your brow, the back of your head presses into the earth or a pillow. And just be open to receiving as you relax deeper and deeper. Take a deep breath in, allowing the rise and fall of your chest. And then exhale, letting go of tensions, worry, fear. If the mind wanders, just refocus on your breath and my words. Open it up to receive positive energy so that you can expand your energy and affect people positively. The movement should be relaxing and soothing and all the sensations pleasant. Sometimes we feel flexible and stable, mindfully present 
calm, alert, and a sense of well-being arises. This mindful awareness helps us appreciate this calm stillness that we're feeling right now. Notice the sense of taste in the mouth, inner and outer cheeks, and then just relax the entire face, the neck, shoulders, both arms feel loose and heavy, hips relax, just sinking deeper and deeper into a calm state of bliss and relaxation. Inhale, filling yourself up with all that beautiful energy all around you. And then exhale, consciously relax the muscles. Inhale, allow the breath to move like a wave back up over the shoulders and head and face, allowing the entire body to relax. And then exhale, allowing the wave to fall down the back, down the body. As you clear your mind, think about what you want to manifest in your life. Health, love, prosperity, Relaxing the legs. Your whole body now feels loose and heavy, relaxed. Your whole body feels relaxed. There's nowhere else you need to be but right here. As you go through your week, mindfully, Choose what you want to eat so that it helps your anxiety dissipate. And mindfully eat the foods that will nourish your body and soul. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to Mary Kay's Positivity Podcast. And I hope you'll join us again soon. Namaste.